Let's get ready to start our online experience. firmly in the rock, the cornerstone. You are the cornerstone, the cornerstone of this church. And that remains true today. Lord, as we gather together, all around the city, that remains true. We stand firm on the rock, no matter what storms may come. Lord, help us this morning to worship you, to encounter your good presence. That's our desire, is to encounter you worship you.
count on one thing the same God that never fails will not fail me now you won't fail me now in the waiting the same God who's never late is working all things out working all things out See, are good and when times are uncertain and Lord you know times are uncertain for many of us right now church wherever you are I don't know if you're sitting on a cell phone right now or in a living room with a small gathering or your family 
And I just encourage you, if, if you're watching this gathering live, just hop in that chat room. And if there's a part of this worship gathering that's touching your heart, just maybe grab that phrase. Grab that phrase and post it in that chat room so that we can join together and express our praise to him all together. Do that right now. If you just want to declare something along the lines of, Lord, even in, fill in the blank. Yes, I will. I choose to praise. Go ahead and do that right now. All around the city. If you're watching this after the fact, I'd encourage you, if there's something that touched you during this, the time that you're watching this gathering, tell someone. Text someone an encouraging word, a phrase that touched your heart. Don't bottle it in. We're not meant to do life alone. Share it with someone.
That's such a, a beautiful reminder that God is good and God is faithful even when it may not feel like it, even in the craziness and in the, in the darkness and the confusion and in everything that we're going through in our world right now. But if you look back on your life and remind yourself how God has been faithful in your life, no matter what, in the good and the bad, he has been faithful. He has been good because that's who he is. Those are attributes and characteristics of God. And in our world right now, things are really up in the air. And it's crazy with our world basically being shut down. And sometimes it's easy to start doubting and asking questions of, God, are you really good? Are you really faithful? Like, what are you doing here? What are you doing in the midst of all of this this darkness and this scariness? I don't know if that's a word, but what is God doing in the midst of, of the death and the pandemic and the fear? And I just have been reminding myself during this time of the verse in Romans 8 where it says, God works all things together, together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. God takes these things, these broken, and these hard things, and he turns them into good. He makes them beautiful. Now in this next song we're going to sing, it says, in the crushing, in the pressing, you are making new wine. Wine isn't made easily. It takes a lot of work and a lot of force and strength and in a sense, pain for the grapes. <laughs> but through all of that crushing, something beautiful comes out of it. And I don't know all of what God's going to do throughout this, this season that we're in right now, but what I do know is that he is still good and he is still faithful and he is going to use this for his good. And so as we, as we sing this song, I want to challenge you to reflect on these words and just spend some time praying and asking God and anticipating what he's going to do, what he's going to do in your life, what he's going to do in the life of your family and your, your friends, what he's going to do in the life of our church, our local church as well as our global church. Because God is doing something. He is using this. He is moving. I can feel it. I'm excited for what's going to happen in this season. And I, I hope you are too. Even in the midst of the craziness, God is using it for his good.
Would you redeem it for your glory and for your good? Bring new wine, newness, freshness, hope, joy, life, even out of tragedy, fear, and sorrow. That's our desire. It's in your beautiful name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, hey, everybody, welcome to Church Online. Really glad that you're joining us today. I'm Larry Boatwright. I'm the executive pastor. And, and I especially want to welcome those of you who maybe you haven't been a part of our community at South. Maybe this is your first time connecting. Maybe a friend invited you to uh, hang out with us, or maybe you saw an invite link on social media. I just want to say welcome. I also want to say welcome to our students and to our kids. We miss you guys. Really glad that you're joining us today uh, as well. Just a reminder, if you're watching this at our 10 a.m. gathering, our unified gathering, uh, you can chat in real time with us just by clicking on the chat button and start typing. Um, or you can also ask, by, ask for prayer by clicking on the live prayer button as well. Now, I, I know it's a really strange time for all of us. And, and our hope is that today that you'd be encouraged, uh, you'd be equipped to walk in hope during what is for most of us a, a difficult season. And we're going to dive in today and explore how do we have hope when it's hard? How do we have hope in the midst of an uncertain season? For some of us, though, it's, it's hard to do that in community because we, well, we're independent. We like to fend for ourselves. And right now, uh, because of everything that's happening, it makes it a little bit hard to do that. Yeah, I've always been one of those personality types that's been really self-sufficient. I mean, I started my first job on my 16th birthday, and I bought my first car on my own. And I just, even though my parents were really supportive, I, I really took a lot of those things on myself because I wanted to. Mm. And that's really served me in a lot of ways, but that, that only goes so far. As human beings, hard work, the skills that it takes to be self-sufficient can only take you so far because life eventually gets to a place where you lose control. And the skills of self-sufficiency don't help you in that place. Mm. And I've learned that the hard way many, many times. My independent spirit can only take me so far. And then there's a much more beautiful, profound, and necessary thing that every human soul needs to develop, and that's interdependence. And it's in times like these that we get the opportunity to practice interdependence like no other time. It's times like we're living in today. <laughs> That self-sufficiency falls short, doesn't it? Well, it does. But it's also hard because there are a lot of obstacles to connecting with other people and to, well, feeling like we're thriving in a season like this. You know, there are, there are obstacles like logistical obstacles. And by that, I mean, we're facing new restrictions about gathering. And, you know, restaurants and bars are closing uh, except for takeout so we can't go out and eat with people. Uh, people are hoarding groceries and, and not leaving stuff for people who really need it. Um, there are people that are being told to shelter in place. Even today, uh, we're hearing every day new sort of closures and orders to, to shelter in place. And, and, and we're, we're under orders now not to gather in groups of more than 10. 
And that presents a lot of unique challenges for us logistically as a church and for, for all of us individually. We also have financial challenges and obstacles in front of us. You know, small businesses are being impacted. Think about all the, the, the restaurants and their business is being impacted by these things. And food service workers, there's been thousands laid off in the last week or two. And, and the stock market, every day, it seems like it's crashing more and more. And, and there are people that are wondering if they're still going to have a job in the coming months or um, even for us thinking about the church and the financial impact that we might face not being able to have corporate gatherings on site for a while. So there's, there's a logistical challenge and then there's financial challenges, but then there's just challenges with being a human. And I've already talked about the challenge of people hoarding supplies and, and feeling like, well, what if there's not enough to go around? And that's actually led to widespread fear and panic. People not sure what's going to happen and kind of freaking out about it. And, and for some of us, our own natural fears about how this might affect our families and our jobs and, and our way of life and just thinking about the future. You know, maybe you're facing some of those obstacles and maybe you feel some or all of those feelings, like fear and concern and uncertainty. Well, I want you to know that all those feelings are perfectly normal. I have those. We all have those on some kind of measure during something like this. And I'm not going to just sit here and, and tell you that if you just pray hard enough or if you just have enough faith or whatever it might be, that all those fears and concerns will just go away. Here's what I'm going to encourage you to do, though, to be human, to feel what you feel. And of course, we're humans with, with real emotions, with real feelings and all those sorts of things. And, and, you know, for those of us who follow Jesus, we follow a Savior who felt real emotion. I mean, think about it. When, when Lazarus died, Jesus cried. He felt emotion over the city of Jerusalem, the, the city that would reject him. He just longed to gather the people of Jerusalem under his wings, under his arms like a mother hen. And, and, and hanging on the cross, we just see from his words and his actions that he felt the weight of the sin of the world being upon them. But not only are we humans with real emotions who follow a Savior who has the same things, we're humans with hope. Hope in something much greater than COVID-19 in front of us. In fact, we have hope in something that's above us and below us, before us and behind us and all around us, all of those things. So as we've been reading the Gospel of the Mark the last several months, we've seen that Jesus was establishing his kingdom on the earth and that his kingdom was, was good. And, and the good news is that the kingdom continues to spread. See, see, listen, God hasn't forsaken us. He hasn't left us. No, no, no. He's with us even right now. See, Christians throughout history, they've, during times of great hardship and sometimes at, at risk of their own peril, have stepped into the gap. They haven't fled from crisis. They've stepped into it with hope to be the hands and the feet of God, meeting the needs of those who so desperately need help. You know, there are a lot of obstacles in front of us. And make no mistake, uh, there's a great opportunity as well to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to be light in the darkness, to, to bring the hope that we as followers of Jesus have to a world that so desperately needs it. To, to move from coming to church, you can't do that right now. Um, we're moving from that to be taking seriously the call to be the church, to, to advance instead of retreat, to embrace hope instead of living in fear. 
our team's been working really hard the last several days uh, to help us as a community embrace this season and to find ways to connect with one another, to, um, to make the most of it, even though it's going to look a little bit different than it did even just a couple of weeks ago. We're trying to find ways to help us learn to be the church, to adapt in this season. And I'll talk a little bit about that a little bit later in our gathering. See, we as followers of Jesus, we're seeking to live in his way with all of his heart. We don't live as those who have no hope. No, we have hope. We live as people of hope because God is with us. And fortunately, we don't have to look far into the scriptures uh, to see that the scriptures have given us a, a powerful resource to help us lean in during a time like this. Yeah, so the scriptures are a powerful testament to how God interacts with his people. And that's God's longing. Church, God desires to be with us. All the way from the beginning in Genesis, that's what he was doing. He set up a garden, a sanctuary, a safe place for him to interact and be in relationship with his people. And then when humanity fell, they they shattered that safety. They shattered that safe place. But God wasn't satisfied to leave us on our, to our own devices. And so all throughout the Old Testament, God is constantly pursuing interaction, encounter, relationship with his people. And so what he did all along that way, along that path, is he, he encouraged the people to set up a tabernacle. It was, it was a space a, a tent that represented the Garden of Eden like he'd done all the way back in Genesis. It was, a, it was that place where humans could interact and encounter his presence. And then later, the same thing would, ha, took place in the, um, in the temple. But then something terrifying happened to the Jewish people. They were um, taken over by the Babylonians. And can you imagine the horror that they felt? When, when they were shipped off into exile and they left the temple behind, the tabernacle behind, and the garden behind, how were they going to encounter the presence of the living God? And it's during that time that they started to curate the poetry that they'd been writing over the generations. You see, the Jewish people were prolific poets, and they'd been writing poetry about their interactions with the living God for a long time, but during the Babylonian exile, they, they masterfully curated, curated those poems into a specific order. And the, that book is called the Book of Psalms. And it's, it's very well-crafted because it's a book that's designed to help you have tabernacle, a portable tabernacle in the midst of exile. And so that's what we're going to look at today. And by the way, church, in a season like this, when everything's different and you can't gather together with other believers, which genuinely does draw the human heart towards God, is when we gather together, there's some limitations there. The book of Psalms is like sanctuary. It's like temple everywhere you take it. So I'd encourage you to use that book. And we're going to take a look at one of those Psalms Psalm 46 is found in the second movement of the book of Psalms, and it's a movement um, where, we're, where we're exploring uh, what the hope that we have for the future where the Messiah will come 
and he will fix all of the things that are shattered. The, the disease that is intrinsically in the hearts of humans and intrinsically, as we see in our world even today, in everything, <laughs> all the way down to disease. And so that's what we're going to look at today. And let it be temple for you today. Let it be sanctuary for you today. And so let's look at that now. You know, we've been chewing on this psalm for the last several days. And, and what I want us to do is I want us to read it together and to, to note a few observations on our journey through Psalm 46. And I'm not going to preach a long sermon about it. We're just going to kind of move through it. But I want it to uh, root us in this time. I want it to be an anchor in this time, in a time of uncertainty. Psalm 46, it's a beautiful psalm. In fact, it's the, the psalm that Martin Luther um, based his famous hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. He based it upon Psalm 46. And I want us all together to, to pay attention to who's in charge when we read this psalm. Who's in charge over all things. And, and what I want us to do is to, to read a section at a time together. Uh, and then I will, I'll give us something to chew on, and we're going to have a moment of reflection after each of these sections. And then we'll read the next section together. Right where you're at, with family, or if you're alone, or if you're in your house, or your car, wherever you're at, would you read this with me? Let's, let's read Psalm 46, starting in verse 1. God is our shelter and our strength. When troubles seem near, God is nearer, and he's ready to help. So why run and hide? No fear, no pacing, no biting fingernails. When the earth spins out of control, we are sure and fearless. When mountains crumble and the waters run wild, we are sure and fearless. Even in heavy winds and, and huge waves, or as mountains shake, we are sure and fearless. And the scripture there says to pause, or maybe in a different translation it says, Selah. Let's take a moment. Think about that phrase, when the earth spins out of control. Maybe for you, these last couple of weeks or the last month or so, watching the news, seeing what's happening around the world, seeing how it's coming into our own backyard, maybe for you, you think about that. But I, wanna, I, I want to think about this word that we see in, in these verses, this word shelter. You know, for many of us at a time where um, we're sheltering in our homes, think about how Sometimes you just can't wait to get home. That home seems like solitude. It seems like fortress. It seems like a safe place to be. And, and then I want us to imagine how much more safety comes being in the shelter of the Most High God. How much more safety comes in knowing that God himself is our shelter. See, we don't have to pace and we don't have to bite our nails. Or we don't have to do any of those sort of things because God is our shelter. He's our strength. He's our protector so we can be sure and fearless in response to who God is. And I want to invite you just to take a moment and close your eyes and reflect and imagine what it looks like to be in the shelter of God. Would you do that? Just take a moment, close your eyes and reflect and imagine what it would look like to be in the shelter of God. All right, open your eyes, and let's read this next section together. Starting at verse 4. A pure stream flows, never to be cut off, bringing joy to the city where God makes his home, the sacred site where the Most High chooses to live. 
The true God never sleeps and always resides in the city of joy. He makes it unstoppable, unshakable. When it awakes at dawn, the true God has already been at work. The trouble is on the horizon for the outside nations, not long until kingdoms will fall. God's voice thunders and the earth shakes. You know, the eternal, the commander of heavenly armies surrounds us and protects us. The true God of Jacob is our shelter, close to his heart. And we're invited to pause. This section of the Psalms is so soothing to my soul because you see language like pure streams, never to be cut off. God never sleeps or God always resides in our city. Or when we awake, when we wake in the morning, that God has been working diligently through the night. That God, the eternal one, the commander of armies, surrounds us and, and protects us. And, and I don't know about you, but I love the imagery there. It's beautiful. It's comforting. In a time when many are worried about supplies running out, when we don't know what's going to come tomorrow, and what if we run out of things, and maybe we won't have enough as scarcity mentality begins to creep into our culture, and for some of us, even into our own hearts and our own minds. In a time when all that happens, we see this scripture that says, a pure stream flows, never to be cut off, flowing into the city. See, God is always working. Even when we're not, even when we are too weak to work, when our strength fails us, God is working for his glory and for the sake of the world. And I, and I just want to take a moment right where you're at. And I want you to let any anxiety or fears or concerns that you have right now, I want, I want you to allow this to come to mind. Let yourself feel. Maybe it's fear that you won't have enough. Maybe it's fear about your finances. Maybe it's fear about your health. Whatever it is, just bring it to mind. And now I want you to think about the image of a, a pure stream bringing God's provision and goodness to you, a, a pure stream that never ends. Would you just imagine that for a moment? That pure stream that's providing all of your needs. And now I want you to think about God working behind the scenes, even when you sleep, to take care of you. I want you to take a moment and chew on that and allow the Spirit of God to wash over you. All right, open your eyes and let's read this last section together, starting in verse 8. It says, come, gaze, fix your eyes on what the eternal can do. Amazing. He has worked desolation here on this battlefield, earth. God can stop wars anywhere in the world. He can make scrap of all weapons, snap bows, shatter spears, and burn shields. Be still, be calm, see and understand that I am the one true God. I am honored among the nations. I am honored over all the earth. You know the eternal, the commander of heavenly armies, surrounds us and protects us. The true God of Jacob is our shelter, close to his heart. And then the scripture again invites us to pause. I love those words that say, come and gaze and fix your eyes on what the eternal can do. 
He can stop anything. He can do anything he wants. He can bring peace. He can heal. And it's really easy in times like this where maybe we're afraid or uncertainty uh, of what we're reading on the news or hearing on the news every single day. When all those things sort of are happening and we forget that God's got this, that God has it all. Remember the story of Jesus on the, on the boat with his disciples and they're out on the lake and Jesus goes to sleep and he's sleeping soundly, I guess. And a huge storm comes out and the disciples are overwhelmed. And, and to be honest, they're afraid. They're afraid to lose their life. They're afraid that it's gonna end in their destruction. And so finally, they wake Jesus up and ask him to do something. And so what did Jesus do? He stood up and he calmed the storm. See, Jesus was in complete and total control. You know, it's easy to forget that Jesus does that. It's easy to forget that Jesus did that or, or that he did that in our lives at some point in the past. So I want to invite you in this moment to just take a moment and think about what Jesus has done. Really reflect it. I want you to really reflect on that just for a moment. And maybe it's from scripture, like a story about him quieting the waves or walking on water or healing someone or raising someone from the dead. I want you to find something there or maybe a story in your own life where Jesus intervened and did something powerful in your life. I want you to grab it. Find that thing. And I want you to, to hold it and to chew on it. Friends, our faith is greater than our fear. And even when our faith isn't greater than our fear, God's still in control. He's still greater than all things. There's no element, there's no virus, there's no disease, there's no pestilence, there's no calamity that God is not in control over. And so before we go on in our gathering, we just want to take a moment and just worship together. Just worship as we think about who God is and what God has done. Aaron, would you lead us? This is my Father's world And to my listening ear All nature sings And round me rings The music of the sphere This is my Father's world I rest me Of rocks and trees, of skies and seas, his hands the wonders wrought. This is my father's world, the birds their carols raise.
love this next verse. It says, this is my father's world. Oh, let me ne'er forget that though the wrong seems oft so strong, God is the ruler yet. This is my father's world. The battle is not done. Jesus who died shall be satisfied and the earth and heaven be one. Again, the earth and heaven be one. That's the garden again. That's the garden again. That's what we're looking forward to. This is my father's world. Oh, let me ne'er forget. Sing it out. That though the wrong seems off so strong, God is the ruler, yeah. This is my father's world. The battle is not done. saying I will not be afraid I will not be afraid this is my father's world I will not be afraid I will not be afraid this is my father's world I will not be afraid I will not be afraid this is my You know, you might be wondering, with, with all these government orders and all the recommendations that we're having to abide by right now, what's going to happen to our church? And, and that's a really good question. Uh, I've been talking to a lot of church leaders from around the country this week, and, and the question that we're all asking is, well, how can we make sure that our churches are served in the best way possible? And make no mistake, we live in uncertain times, in unprecedented times. No one knows exactly what to do. None of us have faced anything quite like this. And, and, and technically, logistically, we cannot do church the way that we used to do church while these restric restrictions are in place. And, you know, we've been handed a really challenging deck of cards by this no more people than 10 can gather together at any given time. And, and that introduces a complexity that we certainly did not anticipate as little as soon as last week, we didn't even realize that. But you need to hear me. Our elders and our staff, we're not going to give up on our mission of helping people live in the way of Jesus with the heart of Jesus. We're, we're going to put our efforts to help us be the church during this uncertain time. Our staff's been working really hard this week to, to rethink how we do church, and we're sort of filtering it through the lens of putting people first, not technology, not strategy, but people. How do we serve God's people in a season like this? And, and, and the question is, well, what, is, what do we need our church to look like 
in a time like this? What does innovation look like in a way that really meets the needs of people and helps them connect, even if it's in unorthodox, way, unorthodox ways that, that look different than it did a couple of weeks ago? So we've been working to establish a framework to help people live in the way of Jesus with the heart of Jesus. And, and we've built teams working around a variety of, of strategies to help us do that. And I'm excited to tell you about them. It's really important to us that we keep it simple so that we can do a good job of helping people in this season. And so we've been focusing our energy around three specific things to help people. So we're trying to help people of South stay informed. We want you to know what's going on. We want to help you get help. And the third thing is we want to help all of us be the church. We've even made a massive update to our website to, to, to center around those three things so it's easy for all of us to go there and get the information and to engage um, that we can. But the first one, I just want to talk about the first one. The first thing we're doing is trying to help people stay informed. Things are changing rapidly. I mean, they are moving really fast right now. And so our communications team has been working on ways to communicate those updates, to be consistent, to have a centralized place uh, to go for the latest information. Aaron, you want to talk a little bit about what we're doing to help people stay informed in this season? Yeah, I mean, basically, our goal in, is to simplify the locations that you can get that information. So if you go to our website now, there's it just drives you to all the information you need. I mean, obviously, a lot of our, our events have been canceled, and so we've just stripped some of those things off the website. And most of what's on the website now and, and is visible is for you to be able to take action right away. We've been hearing from folks that they want to get involved, that they want to serve. And by the way, that's that's the church being the church. I love that the, the church is at its best in times like this. And so um, the website's a resource for you. Um, go there first if you have questions about how do I engage. Is there already stuff going on in the church that I could participate with um, or whatever? Um, that, that's your one-stop shop to do that. And then we're also posting some things on social media, but most of those posts are just driving you back to content on the website. So go there first. Awesome. So we're working hard to help people stay informed. The second thing we're working on is trying to help people get help. And, and we know that there are many people in our church community that are, that are among the vulnerable that are affected by this crisis. And we're really paying attention to that. We know that several people are facing real challenges and need help with a variety of things from getting food or supplies or um, a recording of the weekend gathering or whatever it might be and other needs that we're not even aware of. And so we have a team right now, and I'm very excited about this, that's building a brand new initiative called South Cares. And it's centered around helping people get the help that they need. And we're building this robust process where someone can, can request help. And then we have people who are giving of their time and their energy to find resources to try to meet those needs. And uh, all, you know, to make deliveries directly to people or to have things here at the church if people want to come pick it up. Um, we also have a team of volunteers right now that are calling everyone in our church that we are aware of that's 60 and up just to check on them to make sure they're doing okay, to see what their needs are and what they anticipate the needs might be in the next couple of weeks. And we're hoping to get this all up and running next week, um, in the next few days. And I'm excited about this. Imagine church, a church community coming together to meet the, no, the needs of those in our community in a tangible and practical way. So we're going to have ways you can get involved either by serving or by donating supplies in the coming days. So stay tuned. Remember, you can go to our website, southfellowship.org, to learn more about that. So we're working really hard to help you stay informed. 
uh, to get help, and then finally, to be the church. And this is interesting, because we can't just come to church, as we've already said. We have to be the church. And, and, and so just because there are limits on how we gather corporately doesn't mean that we have to stop being the church. Do you know that? See, in fact, I'm convinced that God will use this community to be the church in a more powerful way in this time than we could possibly have imagined. See, this is where we come together as a church, where we work together. And so we wanted it to be simple so you could understand what does it look like to be the church. And we put together a simple model of just five things, that if all of us would do these five things, we'll be the church. We'll be, um, we'll be doing something, if we all do this, that would be a light in the darkness and would be a force for good and for the kingdom of God. Let me tell you what that looks like. The first thing um, of how to be the church is worship and teaching. It's gathering together. You know, we, we can't meet together in a large gathering, but we're still having weekend gatherings right now. We're joining together um, all around this city, all around this state. We have people joining us on the weekends from all around the country because they get access to watch and join with us online. All we've done is just moved our worship gathering online. We also moved it to one service, 10 a.m. And, um, and I'd love to you, if you're watching this online later and you missed that, I'd just really encourage you to come together to worship with us at 10 a.m. because we have vibrant community. People are chatting, people are praying, people are connecting in Zoom rooms and all those sorts of things. So I want to invite you to do that. Let me tell you about Zoom rooms. We're trying some virtual lobby and prayer environments after the gathering uh, called Zoom rooms. And you'll see a link at the end of this service that'll invite you into a, a virtual room where you can actually see other people. You can reflect on what we talked about today. You can pray with people, and it's, it's going to allow you to see people from nearly any device and stay connected. So we encourage you to gather together with your, with your family and your friends, or maybe a few neighbors, no more than 10, uh, to connect over the next few weeks. The, the second part of being the church is to connect. It's been a lot of fun this past week. We've had lots of connection stuff happening, people dreaming from students and kids to uh, ladies and our adult connection stuff, thinking of ways to help people connect. In fact, several of our life groups, they're using a tool called Zoom, which is a video chat service, and uh, they're, they're doing it online. Our next-gen team, they're using innovative ways to help students and kids continue to connect, and I'm blown away by the ideas we're hearing and the work that those teams are doing. Our women's ministry, they're simplifying their strategy and moving to um, virtual, and they had their first gathering this week virtually with a whole lot of ladies, and it was really, really well, went really well. Um, we're working on to have virtual gatherings that take into consideration the community that we have. Some people aren't tech savvy. Maybe they don't have internet access, but they have a phone. And so we're trying to use tools that allow people, if they don't have video, to call in as well. And finally, Yvonne's leading a team to put together a, a simple way for people to connect in homes in smaller house church sort of environments um, when we're able to do that, that will allow them to connect together and to watch the service and, and really to be the church. And it's a way that that many of us can open up our homes when it's safe to do that again and to facilitate a small gathering of people. Now, at this point, we, we don't know when we're going to be cleared to have large gatherings again, but we believe that we'll soon be able to gather in groups of more than 10, and we want the church to be ready uh, when it's time to do that. So we'll be sharing more about that in the next week or two. Um, the third part of being the church is to pray. Aaron, why is prayer so important? Why does it matter that one of the five tenets of being the church is prayer? Well, frankly, prayer is um, is probably the most, I mean, if we're honest, I, I feel this every single weekend when I come up here 
especially as I've grown in my walk with the Lord, I, I maybe I used to think that I could sort of make people change. <laughs> um, but I, I just sing songs. I Or you just preach. Or that doesn't change lives. What changes lives is the Spirit of God. <laughs> I have very little control over the actual work of the kingdom. The king does. And he, I, it's crazy to me that he decides to use us. But one of the most powerful ways he chooses to use us is he loves to hear the heart of his children call out to him and say, Father, would you let your kingdom come? Would you, would you bring your kingdom into this issue, into this issue? He loves to hear his children do that. And for some reason, we see in his scriptures over and over again, he decided that that was going to be one of the mechanisms, one of the, the levers that the church actually can wield is the power of prayer to move uh, in the world. And I don't know why he did it that way. And it, sometimes it feels like we should be able to exert more energy or something, but prayer is the thing. Prayer is the, is the primary lever, and it's also the force that's driven the church um, further than anything else in history if you look at how, how God has worked in the world. So let's yeah. leverage it now. Every significant movement is sort of precursor of that is prayer. Well, our staff, we've been prioritizing prayer. We're meeting Monday through Thursday from 8.30 to 9 as a staff, remotely, virtually, uh, and just praying together. And it's been sweet time of just praying and being vulnerable and being honest with God and just trusting God. In addition, we have a ministry called the Watchman uh, Ministry that meets on Wednesday nights. And, and they, for years, have met faithfully to pray for God to move in this church and in our city and around the world. And they're testing right now a virtual video and telephone solution that allows them to uh, meet, even though they can't meet on our campus. And we're hoping in the next week or two to invite the rest of the church to start joining us at online prayer gatherings. So prayer, very important. The third um, aspect of being the, the church for us uh, outside of worship and connect was to pray. The fourth one is so important, and that is to serve. You see, we aren't meeting at the church, and so you might think, well, we don't need welcome teams people or seaters or um, you know, service hosts or kids volunteers or student volunteers or hospitality or on and on it goes, all the volunteers it takes to have a weekend gathering on site. And maybe it feels a little bit like, well, we're in a holding pattern, but, but that doesn't mean that there aren't opportunities to serve in this season. As a matter of fact, if you're in our online church environment, there are hosts that are interacting with people or are praying with people. We need, we need people to serve in that capacity. In South Cares, we have a lot of new opportunities opening up in South Cares to deliver supplies to people, to go shopping for people who can't go shopping, to deliver DVDs or food or to package things or to pack boxes of food or other supplies or to help us keep inventory and keep our system running. You can also get on the list to lead a house church when we're able to open up for that. There, there are going to be other opportunities in the days and weeks to come, so I want to make sure that you continue to go to southfellowship.org and pay attention um, for opportunities to serve. So worship, connect, pray, serve, four things out of five that we can do to be the church, and we're asking everyone to do. And the last one is to give. Now, as you might imagine, at a time like this, it's kind of a, a real challenge for the church from a financial standpoint. About half of our giving comes from people who give digitally or online with, with one time or recurring giving. Uh, another portion of our giving comes from people mailing their giving in uh, or dropping it off in the office. But here's the thing. The rest of our give, giving comes from taking an offering in the service. And you might imagine that's a little bit tough to do when you're not having on-site services. 
And so that likely means that we'll lose a significant portion of our income if we don't adapt to this current situation. And so while we're cutting costs rapidly, specifically, we're, we don't have a lot of the costs that we would with having meetings on site for food and all kinds of things on the weekends, we really don't know yet the impact of COVID-19 on our financial situation. And so I want to ask those of you who are giving online or are mailing your checks just to be consistent as you're able, be consistent and faithful in your giving. And for those of you who typically give during the service, I want to ask you to consider giving online, moving your giving online, or, or sending it through the mail or dropping it by our offices. I, I know because I've talked to a lot of church leaders around the country this week, a lot of churches are really worried about what's going to happen and about the economic impact that their churches might face and, and what they're going to do and what sort of decisions that they're going to have to make. But here's the thing. I'm confident that if we all do our part and God continues to do his part, then we can put our trust completely and totally in God as we move forward in this season because God is good. We have hope that God is good. And so there it is. We want to help us all be the church to do those five things. And I'm going to ask you to do that. If you call yourself a part of this faith community too and you want to be the church, you can do this even on your own, but this is what we're asking everybody to do, to, to worship together, to continue to attend consistently uh, church online. If you have trouble, you can email us at info at southfellowship.org, and we'll do our best to help you get connected. And the cool thing about this platform is you can just send a link to your friends. So if you have friends that don't go to church and you've wanted to invite them, this is a great opportunity to extend being the church to invite other people into our community. Uh, you can also participate in our Zoom rooms after the services. Um, you can pray with other people. You can connect with other people. And after we launch house churches in a few weeks, you can sign up for those as well. Um, we're asking us all to pray, to seek God in this time. And, and I'm inviting you to join us at upcoming digital prayer sessions. You can also give, mail or online or in person during office hours. And then finally, serving. And we have a lot of opportunities to serve. And I just want to remind you, you can go to our website, southfellowship.org, to find out about all these things. We're going to keep the latest information there uh, to keep moving forward as a community. But, but, but instead of just logistics, I want to end with this. I want us to think about what it might be like if we took this seriously, if we took God's call to be the church in this season, if we continued gathering together, even virtually, if people were cared for, if we didn't lose our sense of connection, if the, if the church took prayer seriously, if our giving remained strong, even though people are afraid that it won't, if, if it defied expectations. And what if we as a church really leaned into Jesus during this season? And what if we remembered that his presence is with us and in him and him alone, we found hope? I believe that's what God's inviting South Fellowship into. You know, things might look different than they did just a few weeks ago. And it might look different for a few weeks. It might look different for a few months. But I'm confident that Jesus is with us through it all. And, and he will use South Fellowship Church to have a massive impact on hearts and lives in this season. We're not retreating. We are advancing. We will continue to do the work to be the church and help people live in the way of Jesus with the heart of Jesus. And if there's any time that people need to be invited into that, it's now. And although I don't, I don't know everything that's gonna happen next, I'm excited to see how God might use us all. He might meet us all and might sit with us as we trust him in the days and in the weeks and in the months to come. Aaron, final word.
Um, yeah, we. I just want to acknowledge a few things along this, along what Larry's already shared. Um, first of all, uh, you've already many of you have already reached out and wanting to participate in these things, mm -hmm. and so we're trying to build some infrastructures to allow that to happen. But I just encourage you. You don't need our infrastructure to just start diving in. We want to be a resource to you, so reach out if you need that. But also, um, just start doing. Start being the church. Start being the, the, the picture of Christ. And we also, mm. just like Larry said earlier, uh, if you have needs, those aren't always just going to be uh, resource needs like toilet paper. Um, we also recognize the economic impact that this is taking on many of you individually. And... Um, it's not just the church that's worried about that. And so, uh, and we, and if this is a season where you're not able to give because you just literally have nothing, we understand that as well. Um, and we're all in this together. Let's be the church. That means acknowledging all of those different complicated issues in life. And so, um, that's all I had to add. If you need help, remember, go to our website. If you need someone to pray with you, we want to pray with you. And I just want to pray right now over this church community, and then Aaron's going to sing one final song for us today. Lord Jesus, it's a pleasure to serve you in your, your kingdom. May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, would you be that rock, that fortress for us? Would you gather people under your wings? Would you help fear to dissipate and hope to increase? Give us courage in this season. And we acknowledge that we trust in you and you alone. And I ask this in the strong and the powerful name of Jesus. And where we are together, we said, amen. It don't have a job. It don't pay your bills.
that can weather the storm and I'll be my brother's keeper so the whole world will know we're not alone wow thank you so much for joining us today for this online service man that was so great um, to be able to be reminded of what is true in the midst of this time and to have that space to to meet the Lord uh, has been really, really special. So it has been a joy uh, to be with you this Sunday and to gather in the name of Jesus and in the, the unity and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit uh, to bond with you even at a distance. So we're just about to launch our online Zoom room. And so we have sent you a link uh, to join into that meeting space. And I will be there to greet you and to host this group. Um, just a couple words of encouragement as we jump onto that Zoom room, just to make this experience work well. Uh, we could be having hundreds of people join us in just a minute or two. And so when you jump on, you'll notice that your device has been muted. And we would love for you to just keep that on mute um, until we call you out uh, to share with us who you are and where you're coming from today. Um, so but feel free to wave and make faces and, and be present to us uh, as we see so many faces showing up and maybe even names that are calling in. Remember, you can also call in and when you call in, you will be also muted. And it, please wait until you're called on in order to unmute yourself with that button six. And I'll just continue to host uh, in just a couple minutes as we join on to our Zoom room experience today. Can't wait to see your faces. See you there.